Hey, we're talking about sea stars, a totally awesome marine invertebrate that really does live along the Jersey Shore on this episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the, the podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sailing in the bay, what will we find today? Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Save Coast to Wildlife, the podcast. This is a little different of a podcast. We've never really done this before. There is a pandemic going on. We are recording this particular episode of the podcast here in uh, late March, early April. And uh, we're suffering with the coronavirus like many other people around the world. And so we are recording this podcast in totally different locations. I'm over here. My name is Joe Reynolds, president of Safe Coast to Wildlife. And I'm here uh, recording the podcast uh, near my home around Sand Hook Bay. And then uh, my good friend, Samantha. Say hello, Samantha. I'm recording from Long Branch, New Jersey. How are you? Yeah, so I miss you very much. I know. So far. So close yet so far. I know. It's (laughs) been a while, so it's crazy times here. Well, we want to wish you and everyone out there is listening that... Uh, that uh, uh, that you hold dear, much love and good health. We hope everyone is safe as we navigate this extraordinary health crisis from the coronavirus. We're so happy that you're here and listening on this edition of Safe Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. We thank you and thank you all so very much for being awesome to listen to us, chit-chat about coastal wildlife. There's so many crazy things going on right now. So thanks for taking a little bit of your time to learn a little bit about the biodiversity along the Jersey Shore. If this is your first time listening or if you have listened in the past, thank you. And I know that you will discover there's just a tremendous amount of biodiversity along our coastline. So please share the word. If you love what you're hearing, if you find it interesting, informative, please tell your friends and family to listen to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Please help us keep the animals from disappearing along the coast by respecting wildlife and protecting their home and habitat. We all know wild animals need love too. And that's especially true during this uh, crazy time that we're going through here around the world with the pandemic. So uh, we are recording this podcast here in late March and early April, and that means spring is here. So Samantha, have you done anything really cool for spring so far? Besides seeing the ospreys come back, nothing super exciting in the spring. Yeah, the ospreys are coming back. I've seen some oyster catchers already and piping plovers. They're all back now, and many animals are responding to increasing amounts of light in the spring to migrate, breed, spawn, and start the next generation. 
And of course, when people think of spring, you might be thinking of ospreys, you might be thinking of uh, piping plovers. Uh, I've also seen some uh, gannets. Have you ever seen, Samantha, the northern gannets in uh, feeding on the herring around uh, Sandy Hook, the tip of Sandy I Hook? I actually saw them off of my beach the other day. They dive bomb into the water, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really a cool sight. It's Not a lot of people so realize cool. they do that. It really is cool, right? And they swim just as well as they can fly, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they dive into the water. They swim a little bit, come up. Uh, we really don't see them getting a fish because uh, when they do get the fish, it's underwater. But they come up and then they hang out in the water a little bit, fly up and try to catch another fish. It's really awesome. And we're not just talking about one bird. It's like hundreds or thousands of gannets diving in the water. It's so cool. It looks like the fountain in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Somebody <laughs> described it as like a waterfall of birds coming into the bay. Incredible. Okay. <laughs> I've been stuck inside, so I'm thinking about Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a lot of incredible stuff going on. It's springtime, and I know people are stuck indoors. It's hard to really enjoy spring now. Uh, but if you do get a chance, a little bit to exercise on the beaches or whatnot, you might be seeing some really cool wildlife. And one thing that people often forget that's along the Jersey Shore and starting to get active now are sea stars. Did you know, Samantha, that the Jersey Shore has sea stars? You know, I haven't seen one in a while, maybe because they've done so much dredging and stuff. But, you know, I feel like there would be a lot in Sandy Hook for sure. Yeah, for sure, right? The Jersey Shore does have sea stars. And first of all, people might be a little confused. I'm talking about sea stars. Sea stars, we don't call them starfish anymore. And so I know that could be a disappointment for some, but sea stars are just not fish, right? So I know these are trying times. It's hard to believe and take on this difficult task of replacing the beloved starfish common name with sea star. But let's get real. Starfish are just not fish. They don't have fins. They don't have bones. They don't even have brains. So they have nerves running from their mouth into each arm or along the body. They have tiny eye spots at the end of each arm, which only detect light or dark. And some of their two feet are, are also insensitive to chemicals, and this allows them to find the source of smells such as food. But sea stars are not starfish. They're not fish. So instead of being a fish, sea stars are an Echinoderm, echinoderms, which are fancy scientific names that mean, uh, in Greek, mean spiny skin. Now, Samantha, have you ever found a sea star along the Jersey Shore? Yeah, there's. I personally think they're really cute, but I feel like some people would argue otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> they are a little spiny, and they're like they're really kind of weird looking, and people don't realize that there are sea stars that do exist along the Jersey Shore. Echinoderms are a major group of marine animals that sea stars belong to. They come in a wide variety of shapes and colors. There are about 7,000 species found on uh, the seafloor in every marine habitat, from intertidal zone to deep into the ocean. And these include sea, uh, sea cucumbers, sand dollars, which we've talked about before in the past, sea urchins, and of course, sea stars. There are actually thousands of species of sea stars around the world, and currently there are hundreds of starfish or sea star species around the Great Barrier Reef located in the northeastern part of Australia. So here along the Jersey Shore, we have primarily two major types of sea stars. Occasionally you might find a blood sea star or a brittle sea star, but there are rare finds along the Jersey Shore. So the most common sea stars that we have along the Jersey Shore are the northern sea star and 
Forbes sea star. And Samantha, do you know the difference between those two sea stars? Um, I know that one is brown and one is red. Is that the only difference? Mm, it's really hard to tell them a difference, actually. So the northern or the boreal sea star are generally similar to Forbes, but are rather larger and a little flabbier in size and shape. They're more commonly found offshore. And then the Forbes, the Forbes or the common sea star, you can find them from estuaries to deep seas. They tend to be a little more tolerant of salinity and temperature. And the skin is covered with spines, giving a little rough texture. They grow an average to four to 12 inches in diameter. It's a little bit smaller and sometimes up to 20 inches in the diameter as well, too. But you know what? Really, as Samantha was saying, just there, it's, it's hard to tell them apart. Because really, there's not much difference between the two. They're both common along the Jersey Shore. And so both sea stars have five pointed arms and hundreds of tiny two feet on their pale undersides. They vary in color from yellowish orange to deep purple and have small pale spines that give them a rough appearance. A bright red or orange eye spot appears in the center of the body. Now, here, Samantha, here's some fun facts. I know you love fun facts. Hit me. Yep. So here's some fun facts about sea stars. So here's here's the first one. Do sea stars have eyes? No. Yeah. Why they can't see as well as we do, sea stars have eye spots at the end of each arm. Now, they're eye spots, right? They don't blink at you or wink at you like our eyes do. This is a very simple eye that looks like a red spot. The eye doesn't see much detail, but it can sense light and dark. So in a sense, in a, yeah, in a sense, sea stars do have eyes, but just not like eyes like we have. But they can see shapes and, and color, like, you know, if it's light or dark, things like that. Here's a second one. Do sea stars have blood? Um... I- I'm going to guess no, but I feel like you're going to surprise me here. (laughs) Well, they don't really have blood like we have blood. So instead of blood, sea stars have a water vascular system in which the sea stars pump seawater through its sieve plate. So they don't really have blood, but they're pumping in water all the time. And so here's the last fun little uh, fun fact about uh, sea stars. Do sea stars have gills? How do they breathe? Do sea stars have gills? I would, I'm sure you're going to tell me that they have something similar to gills, but no, I don't think they have gills. (laughs) Yeah, they don't really have gills. Isn't that amazing? So it's a really primitive animal, right? They don't have brains, right? They don't really have eyes like we have eyes and they don't really have blood and they don't really have gills. Instead, sea stars, well, they don't have gills. They don't have lungs to breathe. They rely on diffusion diffusion across surface of their body. For example, most oxygen is taken up from the water and that passes over their two feet of the arm. So it's that pumping action that allows the sea star to move around and to breathe and to just to to feel alive. That's very cool that it's all interconnected. Yeah, right. It's so cool. And so you might be asking now, hey, Joe, Samantha, That's really cool. I didn't know that about sea stars, that they're pumping in water all the time. So with that pumping action, what do you think? How do sea stars feed? Oh, I know this one. It's really cool, right? Yeah. They puke out their stomachs 
and they eat whatever. Yeah. And while their stomach is out on a little walk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So sea stars, they like to eat mussels. You often find them ha- hanging out in mussel beds, but they also like to eat clams and oysters, sometimes even barnacles as well, too. And so what what a what a sea star will do is we'll look for a clam or mussel or something like that, something it likes to eat. And it's a battle to see who's really stronger, right? So with its arms, with its five arms, it will grab hold of an oyster or clam or mussel. And all it has to do is just open up that little critter, that little bivalve, just a tiny little bit. And as Samantha was saying, what happens next is the sea star will open up its mouth and outside of its mouth comes its entire stomach into the body of that bivalve and eats that bivalve inside of its own shell. Can you imagine if we ate that way? I, I know, mean, right? I kind of feel like I've been eating that way when I, I'm in quarantine on my couch, kind of just like eating everything with my stomach. But can you imagine if we did that on those, such a big scale? <laughs> I know, right? It's incredible. I mean, I tried doing it, but I threw up one time, so it doesn't really work. (laughs) So sea stars use suction in their two feet for movement and feeding. They wrap their bodies around cohogs, clams, mussels, and other bivalves using the suction from their two feet to pull shells apart. When the prey is opened, the sea star pushes its stomach out of its body and into the bivalve, secreting enzymes that digest the prey's soft body tissues. The liquefied bivalve is then absorbed into the stomach. Sea stars feed often, and their size depends on the amount of food they eat, not on their age. So the bigger the sea star, that means it's better at finding food and eating that food. So contrary to the common conception of a drawn-out tug-of-war between the uh, sea star and a mussel, a sea star does not, prey op- uh, does not pry open its victim by brute strength. Instead, the sea star inserts its stomach through whatever tiny gap or opening there may be between the shells of the bivalve, which, is may, which may widen only slightly by pulling. So the digestive process that weakens the bivalve, eventually attacking the abductor muscles that hold the shell closed and allowing the sea star to open it fully and eating that bivalve inside of its own shell. It's an, incre- it's an incredible process. And really, when you start looking at life in an estuary or in the ocean, it's almost like you went to a different planet because your dog doesn't feed that way. I can't feed that way. I really can't think of any animal on the surface of planet Earth that eats like that, that the entire stomach comes out of its side of its mouth to eat something inside of its own shell, right? It's almost like you went to a different planet, and in a way you did, you went to the blue planet, because we know so little about what lives in our ocean and estuaries, it's really amazing when you start studying the life that lives there and how they have adapted to living underneath the water, which by the way, is about 70% of planet Earth. Incredible. It really is, right? So sea stars are, are optimist, optimistic scavengers, which means they'll just, you know, whatever they can find, they're going to eat. They're carnivores and they don't eat plankton, which is unlike sand dollars or sea urchins that do eat plankton. So it's kind of unusual. Uh, they're in the same family, but sea stars, they are true carnivores and true hunters. They're going to go around looking for food. So now, now you might be asking, okay, Joe, Samantha, where can I find a sea star? Sounds really interesting. I love to find one along the Jersey Shore. So where can I find one? 
Any idea, Samantha, where you could find a sea star? I don't know. Probably where there's a lot of mussels, right? And in, intertidal zones. Yeah, and- yeah, that's right. So they're common near jetties, uh, pilings. They can also occur on sandy or stony bottoms of the ocean or an estuary. And though they're normally benthic, which means they live along the bottom, they can free float and also drift on uh, strong currents. They're often found on mussel beds where the prey is abundant. And probably the best time to find sea stars is after a very violent storm in the spring, summer, or fall. Sometimes you might find a couple, like a dozen, sometimes maybe even a hundred. So where do sea stars go in the wintertime? Well, sea stars migrate to deeper water in the wintertime. So they don't actually take a snooze, though maybe they might uh, sleep a little bit longer on cold winter days, but they're heading over to the deep water in uh, in the ocean, which is amazing, right? So we've talked about in the past, if you remember, Samantha, we've talked in the past about um, seahorses. And if you remember, seahorses also migrate out to deeper ocean during the wintertime. But seahorses, just like sea stars, they move so slowly, right? Like sea stars, we can't even, they move so slow, we can't even see with our naked eye just how they move, right? So, you know, how, how is it possible that a sea star can move from almost the coast of the Jersey Shore out to deeper waters? just using their two feet to move in one direction or another. I have been told that sea stars um, can move about a mile in a week, a mile in a week. That's how fast they travel. They can move a mile a week. And so sea stars move so slowly that they don't, we don't see them moving at all, really, with our naked eye. So how is it possible that something that moves so slowly like a sea star can travel to the deeper parts of the ocean during the wintertime. It must, by the time they get there, it must be time to come back. <laughs> They're just uh, wasting away the days here. <laughs> yeah, it is really incredible. Again, when you start studying life in the ocean and how they move and how they get around, right? Uh, uh, seahorses also, you know, it, they go uh, to the deeper parts of the ocean for the wintertime. How does this tiny little seahorse travel so far away to get to the deeper parts of the ocean? And how does a sea star also travel to get to the deeper parts of the ocean when they move so slowly? It is amazing when you start studying these critters and just how complicated their lives are. So here's something else complicated, reproduction. So how do sea stars reproduce? Do they do something similar with their stomach where they kind of just... uh vomit all the goods out out. well this so this is external reproduction which is probably one of the most boring ways to have reproduction or sex Um, but nevertheless it works for them and it works for a lot of other aquatic creatures as well too so sea stars breed in the spring so we're getting to be at a point now where sea stars are getting uh, sexually aroused and they're going to be producing some eggs and uh, females can produce as many over about 2 million eggs Females will, yeah, and you can actually. If I'm gonna go swimming right now, I'm gonna be swimming amongst a plethora of um, sea star uh, goods. Yeah, so it's true. So I know when we monitor horseshoe crabs, you could actually see the horseshoe crab sperm in the water um, at nighttime. And I don't know. I've never really studied uh, sea star sperm. 
but maybe if you, if you go in an area where lots of sea stars, you could see that as well too. So the female will release the eggs and the male's going to release the, the sperm and hopefully they're going to get together and they're going to produce some tiny little sea stars. So the, we have male and female sea stars. Uh, they become sexually mature about two to three years. Most release their eggs and sperm into the water where they get fertilized and fertilized eggs develop into free-swimming larvae. And after about three weeks, the larvae settle and morph into adults. And you can tell when a female has the eggs inside of her because her, her arms are going to feel plump and spongy when they're filled with eggs. So during the early parts of the spring... Um, when you, if you find a sea star, if you're not sure if it's male or female, feel those arms a little bit. Don't be, you know, be gentle, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, if they feel a little plump, uh, they might be filled with eggs. That could be a female. So it's amazing. Right. So next time you go swimming in the water, if it's like May or something, it's still chilly, but if you're swimming in the water and you see something funky in the water, if you see like, you know, people often ask, um, you know, where does that foam come from? On the Jersey Shore, foam washes up onto the beach. A lot of that is bacteria from eggs. And Ooh. so that could be, that could be from eggs, that could be from the reproduction of sea stars. So you don't know what you're swimming with. Again, I often tell people when you're swimming in the ocean, it's not like a backyard pool. It is an ecosystem. It's a live ecosystem with live animals, sharks, sea turtles, and in this case, sea stars. And in the springtime, they're sexually active. They're doing lots of crazy things. So, so I have a question. Sure. I always heard a story about um, sea stars being able to regrow their limbs if you chop it from the, I guess, where the eye would be. Yeah. Do our sea stars have that ability? This is perfect timing. I'm glad you brought this up. So I was just going to mention, so what are the threats to sea stars? So one of the threats to sea stars are actually people who harvest shellfish for a living. So people who harvest shellfish for a living, shellfish for a living, they can get angry at sea stars. Why? Because sea stars like to eat shellfish, clams and oysters and mussels, which tend to be commercially important species. And so sea stars can be a menace on clam beds, oyster beds, scallops and mussel aquaculture, and they are capable of uh, doing damage to these uh, important commercial species. And so if you're somebody that harvests clams, mussels, and oysters, you might take a sea star out of the water and chop it up thinking you're killing it. But guess what? Guess what? You're really not killing it. All you're doing is making more sea stars because as long as you don't cut the center of the sea star, if you just cut off an arm or two, they're able to regrow their body. Isn't that amazing? That is Incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, and I can tell you, scientists are trying to figure that out, see how sea stars do that, in hopes that maybe someday, someday, humans will be able to grow an arm just like a sea star uh, can do. I mean, that would be amazing if we lost a finger or a hand or an arm or a leg, and we're able to regrow that just like a sea star can do. How incredible would that be? I know, I right? Could, really, totally cool. I could grow cool. a whole new boyfriend from my boyfriend. <laughs> I could have a disposable. Yeah, yeah, that'd be totally <laughs> cool, right? 
Totally cool. So yeah, so it's amazing. Sea stars can do that. Sea stars are so. Again, you got to imagine these are just really primitive species. They don't have brains or bones, and yet they're able to do all these incredible things, including regrow their body. So, sell, uh, people who harvest shellfish for a living thought they were doing damage to the sea stars, but actually they were reproducing, making more sea stars. And this is why science is so important, ladies and gentlemen. In 1920. An oyster company removed about thir- uh, 10 million sea stars from uh, 11,000 acres of oyster beds over in Rhode Island, thinking they were actually um, getting rid of the sea stars, but they were just chopping them, chopping off some arms, and actually they were reproducing, making more sea stars. So, and I can tell you here along the Jersey Shore, there's always some crazy uh, people that harvest shellfish thinking they're going to do damage to the sea stars by chopping them up. Again, they're just reproducing those sea stars. So if an arm breaks off, no big deal. A new arm or even a new sea star can regrow. Some sea stars and brittle stars have the ability to reproduce asexually even by dividing in two halves while they're small little juveniles. So again, just incredible species that exist long here, the Jersey Shore. And so you might be asking now, well, are there any natural predators to sea stars? Do you their, um, what do you think, Samantha? Maybe like uh, horseshoe crabs, right? Or uh huh, blue crabs. Yeah. Maybe like uh, bigger fish. I feel like they'd be too spiny for some fish, though. That's right? right. So right, because they have that sort of spiny, tough skin. The common sea star has few predators, but there are some predators that do like eating them. Bottom-dwelling fish and crabs, as well as gulls. They're going to hang out during low tide looking for those sea stars that might be exposed during low tide. So there's a few predators out there, but not many. Sea stars are pretty tough. So when they become adults, it's hard for them to, uh, it's hard for any predators to get to them. It's much easier to get to the sea stars when they're young little juveniles. But once they become adults, they have that tough, spiny skin. And of course, they can reproduce. So it makes it difficult to really diminish the sea star population. So we love sea stars here at Save Coast to Wildlife, and we hope you do too. We hope that you can find some sea stars this spring, summer, and fall walking along the Jersey Shore to take some time out from all this uh, craziness that's happening. Uh, Remember to to practice social distancing. Keep your space among other people. Don't go when it's crowded. Go by yourself and hang out along the Jersey Shore looking for some cool wildlife out there. So I want to thank everyone out there who took some time out of their busy life to listen to our podcast. We're so grateful that you did. We love you all. And I want to thank my co-host tonight and really good friend, Samantha. Thank you, Joe. I'm so happy to be here always. And I'm so happy talking to you. I hope I could talk to you again real soon. I hope so, too. I'm having separation anxiety. I know. Me, too. It's crazy. So I love you all. Thank you. And I'm Joe Reynolds, executive director of Safe Coastal Wildlife, an environmental nonprofit dedicated to educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. You can find out more about Safe Coastal Wildlife at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. That's www.savecoastalwildlife.org. And until next time, farewell from the world-famous Jersey Shore. And remember to be kind not only to people but to animals as well. We all need to get along and live together. And now it's time for your sing-along. 
Protect and preserve the wildlife. 